Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. Lance, how are you today? I am doing so well. I actually came in today and I saw the worm uh, strapping up his sleigh and he had all of his gifts in and he's ready to do his uh, worm Christmas. It is Christmas uh, if you are listening to this episode on release day. So happy holidays to you and your family. Thanks a lot for listening to our show and maybe shows throughout the year. We can't even express how much we appreciate it. Yeah, and you know, if you're listening to these shows, you're into true crime, you know how important it is to spend quality time with your family, especially during the holidays. Uh, You know, like all the stories we talk about, these tragedies just... uh, you know, feel free to uh, put your mind on the back burner in that sense and, and just enjoy time with people that you care about and who care about you. That's my PSA. So, Lance, for this episode today, this is a bit unconventional of a Crawl Space episode. Call it a Christmas special. I, I will. It's a Christmas special. Charles Dickens told us that ghosts and Christmas go together um, with his book, A Christmas Carol, right, which is very much a ghost story. Uh, as much as it is a redemption story. Yeah. And so what we're bringing you here today is kind of a Crawl Space Christmas Carol. It's it's a bit of a ghost story. Yeah, we uh, reached out to a phenomenal artist. His name is Bill Stoneham, and he created a piece of art that is titled The Hands Resist Him. And if you go to Bill Stoneham's website, stonehamstudios.com, You'll see his uh, work there, the hands resist him, and you'll see his gallery, which is full of, I guess you could say, some macabre pieces. But he's uh, he's a, an exceptionally talented artist and and painter, and the hands resist him is known in certain circles as the most haunted painting in the world. Yeah, and even if you are a believer in the paranormal or the afterlife or ghosts, you could still be skeptical that an inanimate object uh, could be haunted. But I assure you, when you look at the painting, you'll be like, oh, okay, I could see how that'd be haunted. I could see how that could creep somebody out to the point where they would think that there's some hidden meaning in there. There, There's definitely meaning to it. If you look at this painting, you can get a sense that it's uh, a bit disturbing. You have a little boy and a little girl, and they're standing in front of this doorway, this, this window, and there's these disembodied hands that are on the other side. So your imagination can run with this. And there's stories that have uh, surfaced online about uh, the little girl um, perhaps holding a gun to the to the little boy. She's holding this uh, this object and and in a certain light, it kind of looks like a gun. Uh, And it and it just created this online uh, folklore. And Bill Stoneham joins us to talk about this. And we first thought that Bill Stoneham would be sort of a morose type of guy, maybe moody, but he's got an incredible sense of humor and, and really, uh, I guess, in a sense, enjoys the notoriety that this painting um, brought to him. But it does have a bit of a history for him personally. It sure does. And uh, and he is a fun guy. and We have a, lo- a lot of fun in this conversation. So Bill Stoneham painted this uh, this painting, The Hands Resist Him, in 1972. 
And as he'll explain in the interview, the boy is supposed to be him. And the title is him. The hands resist him. And so when he painted it, it wasn't something like he thought, oh, this is creepy. This is going to be known as haunted. No, that only happened later. Um, In February of 2000, this painting found its way onto eBay. And uh, the description on eBay implied that the painting was haunted and that uh, the characters in the painting crawled out of the painting and scared the owner's uh, children. And then those sellers sold the painting for over $1,000. I mean, don't get me wrong. It looks creepy as heck. Um, But the folklore about the painting being haunted didn't start until later when someone had something to gain by selling it. Right, exactly. And there have been numerous stories about people who have owned the painting. One of the... uh... One of my favorite stories was the actor John Marley, who a lot of people will say, who's John Marley? But I think a lot of people are very familiar with the scene in The Godfather where the uh, studio executive wakes up and the horse's head is in his bed. And John Marley died in 1984, and he owned the painting. So the fact that you put that you know, unrelated scene from The Godfather in the same conversation as this painting, and he dies in 84, it just added to the whole mystique of this. It sure does, and so I uh, hope you enjoy this this interview. Again, it's not it's not really true crime related, but it is mystery related, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, so hopefully you enjoy this one as much as we do, and check out Bill Stoneham's work. He's got a website. It's stonehamstudios.com, and also that like this this painting is very famous. There's even a book written about the painting that you can find on Amazon called "The Hands Resist Him." Be careful what you bid for. Um, so yeah, th- this painting has, has, uh, spurred a lot of articles. A lot of, a lot of people t- love being creeped out by this painting. And there's a poem, Tim, that inspired the painting that I want to read really quickly before we get into this. He is of the seeing visions. His strokes reveal them in a rush of color of madness of mystics. And his head is the highest center. It must confront its enemy. The hands resist him like the secret of his birth. His presence is the sanctum heartbeat felt in the distance and in passion. It sound the sole gift to that silence. That was written by R. Pacetti in 1971. Okay, so we're going to play the interview in just a moment. But before we do, I just want to let you know that Crawl Space's entire archive is now back on the public feed. You can find Woo! that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen without going to Stitcher Premium. Though if you want ad-free versions, you can still go to Stitcher Premium and get that there. Merry Christmas to you all for that one. <laughs> and that includes Missing Maura Murray and Empty Frames. All episodes are back on the public feeds, excluding our Missing Maura Murray creator's commentary, which is a uh, separate Stitcher Premium thing. But, you know, go ahead and listen to that because that's been uh, gaining some traction lately. It's a lot of fun. Okay, everybody, so thank you very much. Happy holidays, and I hope you enjoy this interview with Bill Stoneham. And I hope the worm gives you exactly what you wanted, what you asked for, and what you deserve this holiday season. We are being joined by Bill Stoneham, painter of a really incredible painting called The Hands Resist Him. How are you, Bill? Good. Just wanted to thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us here on Empty Frames. Our, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the podcast. It's cool if you're not. Um, no, it's not. It's not cool. No. Uh, <laughs> the first season of Empty Frames was about the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. The second season was about other art crimes and uh, sort of significant moments in art culture. And this season, mm-hmm. we're gearing more towards a little bit of the... Uh, a little bit of the ethereal, supernatural uh, aspect. And you have this painting that Tim referenced called The Hands Resist Him. This is an incredible painting. This has an incredible story. Yes. Yes. And c- can you start with why you painted it and the story of how it was painted? Well, at the time I was living in, well, actually the story goes, uh, before I painted it, um, it goes to... Um, going down to La Cienega and Beverly Hills and walking into a gallery there with my portfolio and showing my portfolio to the gallery manager. And then some months later, in my while painting in my Quonset hut up in Newbury Park, and I mean, 
Quonset Hut looks like half a can of peaches right on its side. And this is where I'm living and, and painting. And, and he comes driving up in his Mercedes <laughs> and jumps out of the car and comes up into the, into the Quonset Hut. And he buys every, with the exception of maybe a couple of paintings, he buys everything I have. And then he, and he signs me up. He signs me up for t- for a two year contract to paint for him. And with that contract, I was then um, actually some other circumstances gave me the opportunity to buy a house out in Ojai. And uh, I moved out there with my first wife. And this place was quite um, dark and had a lot of uh, uh, well, ghosts. I mean, the whole canyon was filled with ancient fossil beds and and 800-year-old oak trees, and, and the house was an old stage stop between Santa Barbara and Ventura before there was a coastal road at all. And so it had all of these memories and spirits, whatever, that were there. And as a painter, I'm sort of like a canary in a coal mine. I mean, I, I'm sensitive to what's going on around me in the, you know, in the presence of things, in nature, in, in whatever, and would, would pick up on this, and, and it would influence what I was painting. Or work. Sorry, <laughs> it's, it's happening already. It's, oh, the weird <laughs> things are happening. We, uh, another call came through, and I panicked and hit the wrong button and hung up on us. <laughs> well, I guess we could keep my responses to yes or no. Oh, no, no, no. This was, this was going great. This was going great. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. That, that's, that's never happened before. I usually know what button to hit when that happens, but I lost my mind for a second. Well, it's because it's all haunted, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's possession. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a, you know, there's like a, there's like a, a vortex over this island. And your your uh, connection to me is tenuous at best here. Oh. Really? Now, so you're recording. Yeah, of, of course, everything I'm painting it, it also causes a disturbance in the quantum entangled world that we live in. I love it. My God, this I love where this is going already, <laughs> Bill. What, so, are, what are we doing? This so is great. Wait a second. So, can you tell us where you're you're speaking to us now from? Yes, it is Fashion Island. Actually, to be accurate, it's Maury Island. Maury Island. And Maury Island is in Puget, yeah, it's in Puget Sound. So it's all, um, it's you know, it's right near. Uh, it's actually kind of between Tio, uh, Tacoma and Seattle. Okay. All right. It sounds like a beautiful place, especially this time of year. Oh yeah, it is. And you go there Absolutely. for inspiration, or that's where you live? No, we live. We live here. We we uh, live on a. Beautiful three-acre forest meadow piece of property. Cool. We'll uh, we'll be there next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll be sure to have the, the camera operating on the ferry dock. To, you know. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Perfect. So, be- you know, to, to give you the proper welcome. <laughs> Appreciate it. So, <laughs> b- before the uh, before the, um, the the spirits interrupted our conversation, you were talking about how you were in a place where there was a lot of, I guess we could say, supernatural baggage that you were being affected by. Yeah. yeah. Continue yeah. on with that. That's super interesting. Well, Ojai itself is um, known for its, I don't know what, spiritual energy, I guess is what you'd call it. Okay. There's, the, 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 there's a, a really old institution there called the Theosophical Society. And... In the library there were there were only four copies of this book, and it was um, Manley Hall's uh, Secret Teachings of All Ages. And I had a copy of this book, not I mean not one of the originals, of course, but I had a uh, reprint of it that was probably reprinted in the late '60s, and that was that was something I always had around, and and that and. Um, Siro's uh, Dictionary of Symbols. He was a Spanish author who um, did some interpretive work on, on symbology and so forth. And, mm-hmm. and um, I had books, texts like this around. So between those books and my, I also did a lot of Tarot. Um, between all of those kinds of activities, these kind of metaphysical things that I was involved in, painting was a 
was a was a form of magic because it was it was conjuring. Yeah. yeah. And it was con- not only conjuring, but it was also creating the illusion of space and time. Because if you look at my paintings, most of my paintings are so filled with motion, and, and more so than the hands resisting. I mean, the hand, hands resisting is actually pretty mild <laughs> compared <laughs> to a lot of what I paint. Okay. And um, so it, it's, um, it's a still frame in a moment in time. And if you, in other words, if you, if you become involved in it as a viewer, you will begin to see what's coming next, or you will imagine what's coming next, or what came previously. I, so this is what I'm trying to do with my painting, and I don't necessarily always consciously think about it when I'm painting, but what I want is I want the viewer to fill in the spaces. I want you engaged in what you're looking at, and my painting, I hope, will pull you in, and then you create the rest of the story. That sounds really cool. Have you had any formal training, or is this all self-taught? This is all off, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say off the top of my head necessarily, but more inside. But, um, I mean, I had some, I had two years of uh, college and, and um, had a, you know, an associate degree. And in those two years, I majored in art. So I took, you know, basic painting courses and so forth. So I understood the principles of color and color theory and that kind of thing. And also art history, took art history courses. But beyond that, no, I I had no art school training. I was, I, I couldn't afford it for one thing. Well, if your goal is to allow the viewer to fill in the spaces and, uh, you know, enjoy looking at your your work. I think you've really struck uh, struck a chord here, Bill, because uh, the hands <laughs> resist him is um, incredibly disturbing. You painted something. <laughs> you painted something back in 1972, which is frequently called the most haunted painting in the world. Where does the story of this start for you? Well, the story, you mean the story of, of my contact with this phenomena of the painting? Yeah, well, how did or you, the painting, how, yeah, the painting itself, where did that come from? Because you obviously conjured evil. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, basic, the basic idea for the painting came from, the, from an old photo of myself uh, standing in front of my grandmother's apartment in Chicago uh, when I was five years old and standing there with a neighbor girl, a little girl. And that was it. That was the, it was a, you know, an old black and white photograph that had faded. And, and, uh, I mean, I'll describe it to you. Please. The old photo, my five-year-old self and the neighbor girl poised on the threshold to the apartment, smudged and brown with age, was pinned to the canvas frame, propped on the easel, ready for paint. The studio located above the high water had been the stage stop between Ventura and Santa Barbara before the coast highways. Surrounded by ancient oaks, roosts for owls and bats, my imagination conceived and my brushes delivered. You know, so I had this old photo from the family album, and that was the initial inspiration. Well, actually, the other part of the inspiration, because the title came from a poem that my wife had written at the time. And... Um, the title of the poem was The Hands Resisting. Now, she's referring to the con- conflict within me as an only child and not knowing who my parents were because I was adopted. So she sees that as a connection between the real world of your of your tactile self with your hands and the world of the, that is in your head, you know, and the connection between the head and the hand. How do you make that connection and keep it active and alive and Right, and it was, um, you know, and because I was already in this dark place, <laughs> um, you know, and this was this was 1972, so there was a lot going on in the world at the time, the Vietnam War, and um, all of that involvement. I mean, I was a young man; I was eligible for the draft, and all of that. So there was a lot going on that brought darkness into not only my own life, but lives around me. 
the hands resist him. Resistance was something else, you know. I mean, resistance was real. Right. And do you still have that and photo? I was, act- I was pretty active, at, actually, in, the, in that and, and ended, ended up serving some uh, federal probation behind it. What? Like you were, uh, you, you protested the war and you were arrested? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, I was sentenced to three years. I was sentenced to three years and then they suspended sentence and uh, put me on probation. Jeez. Good Lord. Okay. So, but it was, you know, this was a passionate time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And so- it, painting was, painting was a, um, well, it was. I, my painting was dark, and there was I was never you know I was never going to get away from that. That was just part of who I was. Mm-hmm. But um, it was like I was again I was like the canary in the coal mine. I was pulling in all the toxic stuff that we had in our own society. I mean, as a painter, you're like that. You're a barometer. You can you can feel the weather change, and um, you know on a on an unconscious level. And because of that, I was feeling that darkness in, in our world and pulling it into my work. Now, do you still have that original photo? Boy, I wish. No, oh. it's it's in a landfill in Mendocino. Oh. <laughs> well, you're, you're... I moved around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you have it in explicit detail in your head, though, because you described it oh, very eloquently. There's other photos in the album that are of the same... Uh, from the same time period. So Okay, so you said that you always have uh, a lot of darkness that's involved in your artwork, and there was a lot of uh, passion going on at the time, and there was a deeper meaning to the word resist. So when you painted this, were you intending it to be as unsettling as it turned out to be? Yes. Okay. Yes. There's uh, no... Mission accomplished. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was something that was you know, that was always there. Everything I painted, I, I I was influenced by what, I was influenced a lot by what I read at the time too. And one of the things I was reading at the time was, um, you know, and this is maybe laughable now, but uh, Don Juan's, uh, Carlos Casianato's The Teachings of Don Juan. And this is his uh, uh, anthropology, uh, I think it was his anthropology doctorate paper. Uh, at UCLA, and he wrote about the Yaqui Indian Don Juan and about his way of knowledge. And his way of knowledge involved using things like datura and um, uh, psilocybin and that kind of thing. And <laughs> the ideas that Don Juan talked about, he talked about um, that the unknown and the power of life and death was something that was so present always instantaneously around us at all times that Carlos, this, you know, kind of bumbling character from, uh, you know, from uh, UCLA, from civilized, from what he perceived his, his own perception of the civilized world was suddenly plunged into this world of supernatural belief and powerful, powerful hallucinogens and i experienced that yes i went out experienced it and when it happened for me it was (laughs) eye-opening is the least of it (laughs) all right yeah tell us you know it was profoundly changing because it it pulls you right down into the earth and pushes you back out again through some plant somewhere oh i love it some animals where are we going with this this is great and where (laughs) Where'd you go, the Mojave? Well, you wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> this is... We regret nothing. We... You, uh, you, you, where'd you go, the, the Mojave or Joshua Tree, or where'd you go to experience this? Um, actually, Mojave was one of them, but I lived in the desert for a while, too. I lived um, outside of a little town called Hesperia. Oh, yeah, okay. Which is in the uh, Apple Valley area, I think, is the bigger region. Anyway, it's high desert. And, um, in more ways than one. Yeah, right, exactly. More ways than one. But, um, yeah, the experiences I had there, and this was when I was 20, um, really kind of influenced everything visually for me for many years and still, and still that. You were quoted as saying the hands in the painting were all of the possibilities. What, what are the possibilities? <laughs> Well, the possibilities are, are 
Hmm. Well, it, it's it's because the hands have more than one meaning. I mean, the hands are both, um, as was intended in in uh, Roanne's poem, was the possibilities of who my family might have been or who they were. So they were the ghosts of, of those possibilities, like siblings. I mean, the doll represented, in a sense, my missing sibling. And we, we can talk about that, too, because that ends up in the sequel paintings that I did. That, In other words, that story evolved with those paintings. But anyway, in that original, in the original Hands Resistant, um, the hands also represented the conflict in myself between what I can create and what I can imagine and how well I can carry it off. How much control do I really, do I really have over my own hand <laughs> and brush? Do you apply that method of thinking and creating to everything that you paint? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, it's like, it, it, it's kind of a lucid dream. Yeah. Painting is so, painting is so different from, um, I mean, I gave up painting for 10 years. When I, when I worked at Lucas and was doing uh, digital and feature film stuff. Um, because, because the computer and digital, digital animation um, and 3D modeling and all of that kind of thing is, <laughs> I'm telling you, it is like getting hooked on heroin. I mean, it is so powerful. You can create anything, anything you can imagine. And you can put it in a realistic setting so convincing that you can't tell it from the real. And so, you know, that was so compelling to me that I set aside my brushes and paints for 10 years because I didn't have space in my head to be able to do both. And it's because as simply as the act of having a mouse in my hand and looking at the screen, I disconnected from my hand. I was no longer looking at it, right? I'm now looking at the screen. And, I'm, and my hand is over to the side here moving and making, you know, doing the work on the screen, but it's not connected anymore. It's so different from holding a brush in your hand. I mean, you're now suddenly in a, in a beta state of mind instead of an alpha state of mind. You're, you're, when you're working in the computer, you're almost in an uh, unconscious state because of that disconnection between hand and eye. Damn. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to use the uh, mouse on my computer the same way again. <laughs> yes, that innocent little mouse is not your friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, so there's a whole history and a legend with this painting. Can you can you start telling us about where it went after you painted it and where the legend, I guess, started? Well, that yeah, that's interesting. That was um, the painting. Where, the last time I physically saw the painting was um, at the gallery, Charles Feingarten Galleries, um, at the night of my show, which was in uh, December of 1974. So he had a one-man show for me. So the gallery was filled with my work. He had by that point he had collected. 54, about 54 canvases. And so he had a, uh, you know, he had the paintings up and the hands was hanging in a uh, kind of a side wall off the main area of the gallery. And I was, I was there with um, my first wife, Roanne, and she and I were walking around the gallery and looking at the work and looking at the people looking at the work. And, and I noticed um, this guy standing in front of the painting. And I recognized him immediately as an actor, character actor. And it was, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, God. It John, Marley. John, yeah, Marley. John, John Marley. And, um, I, you know, I recognized him from God, the Godfather movie. And I just want so, to interject here. John Marley played the character in the Godfather movie, the Hollywood mogul right. producer, who wakes right, up with the right. horse's head in his bed, which just adds to the exactly, whole grotesque exactly. legend. And I, and I learned later that he was working, and I don't remember the name of the movie, but he was working on one of those uh, Roger Corman-type horror movies at the time that he was looking <laughs> at the painting. Yeah. So, 
so he, um, anyway, I saw him looking at it and then we wa- walked up the street to go look at another gallery where an old, old friend of mine, Leon Salter, who was a, uh, relative of my stepfather and who was an amazing painter, um, very classic, uh, kind of German expressionist stuff. And so we went to his, the gallery to look at his work and, um, and then I think, I think about a week later I was in contact with, with Feingarten and, and discovered that the only painting that had sold in the show was that one. And so I assumed that it had been purchased by Marley. Okay. So, and that was it. That was the last time I ever saw the painting. And then uh, in, two, in 2001, I was contacted by... Um, Kim Smith, who, um, well, anyway, so I get an email from, I'm, I'm in, uh, Mead, Washington, working, working, uh, at Cyan, uh, which is a company that created the game, uh, Mist. Um, and I'm work I'm working there as one of their artists and I get this email and it says, do you know the hands resist him? <laughs> you know, and that was cool. Yeah. It's like, that's all it said. Do you know the hands resist him? And I, and I responded back. I said, uh, yeah, that's the title of a poem and also the title of a painting that I painted in 1972. And then I get a uh, response back with the, connect, with the link to the um, eBay auction page. So I go to the link, and scrolling up the screen is the blown-up image of my five-year-old self from the painting. And I'm, I have to – it gave me chills seeing my own – image like that, mm-hmm. you know, scrolling up the screen. You know, in 2000, eh, things weren't quite as uh, pervasive on the with the Internet and everything that they are now. And so this everything was kind of a little bit new, and a new experience. So anyway, I'm seeing this image scrolling up the page, and then I get into, you know, reading the, the rest of the article and seeing what they're talking about here and claiming the painting's haunted and and showing that that silly image of the um, painting backlit. I mean, the canvas is thin, the paint's thin. Of course, if you shine a light through the back, it's going to look strange. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was a gimmick on their part. I'm not going to buy that it was, you know, represented anything supernatural. But in that version where they did that, it looked like the the little girl in the the painting was holding a gun. Am I mistaken? Was that the version of that? Yeah, yeah, that's not a gun. It's not a gun. It's it's a um, poorly painted... Uh, edge of the frame of the door intersecting a dry cell battery she's holding in her hands. Bill, it was not poorly painted. This is... <laughs> <laughs> Your work is incredible, by the way. I, yeah. I am blown away by all of it, including the sequels and everything else you've done. Um, it's all very dark and really super interesting. Yeah, we're going to get back to the painting in a second, but we were just looking at one of the sequels here. And it looks like you have a painting where you're you're looking from inside the the room out at the two. That's right. Characters. Yeah, right. That, that's right. incredible. Is that, that the? Was, uh, that was a that was a sequel to Zach Baggins, who uh, the has Ghost a Hunter show guy? called Ghost, Ghost Adventures. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So Zach commissioned that uh, painting, and and the way I work with a commission on on a well, first of all, he wanted me to to redo hands resist him. And I said, no, I won't do that. I'm not going to make an exact copy of something I've already done, but I'll do a sequel to it. And I said, I'll tell you what, since I've already done two sequels, one being uh, myself at the age of about 53. And the second one being a projection into the future of me at a hundred, I'll do one that was before. So I'm doing a prequel. So that painting is the prequel. And it's, and the title of that one is hands invent him. Hands so it's me. Nice. It's me inside the, the the foyer of my grandmother's apartment building, looking out through the front door, uh, and seeing myself in silhouette there with the uh, doll. Right. So, so what you're looking at is the scene from the hands resist him. So it's you and the little girl doll right. that's standing right. right there. So that's right. really compelling. And and actually, that addresses the, another question you had about. Uh, hauntings in in work, um, whether there's any you know 
evidence or uh, people talking about being haunted, haunted by it. And that painting was definitely, definitely haunted. I mean, working with Zach, I didn't communicate with him on a daily basis at all. But when I'm working on a painting, I'm, it's, it's as if the painting is a, um, is, is a little bit of a, a doorway between his consciousness and mine. So I'm working on something that he has in his head, and I perceive it and paint it. So, for instance, in that painting, there's this old tricycle, and the tricycle has a, you know, one of those old bells, mm -hmm. right? Those little hand crank bells on the handlebar. I kept hearing that sound, and I, I, I told Zach after I sent him the painting, you know, I, I told him because he hadn't seen the painting, right? He didn't know what he was getting. And I told him, I said, do you happen to have a tricycle in your collection of haunted things? And he said, uh, yeah, we're going to install it. And he said, as soon as he got the painting, he started hearing that. Ching, ching, ching. And some of the things that are in that painting are actually things that I was experiencing while painting it. So I had an invasion of rats come through the wall of my studio while I was working on that painting. And talk about creeping, <laughs> creeping you out. An invasion of rats. Yeah, I had these five rats come through the wall of my studio. What had happened is I had rats, um, when, I, when I remodeled the studio, the studio was an old two-car garage, and it was all run down and infested with rats and all kinds of things. So when I remodeled it and everything, it you know displaced these rat families and their generations of occupation. So they wanted back in, and they were always working on how to get back into the studio. And they managed to get into the interior wall between the sheetrock and the outside. And then the the uh, I had a guy come and, and you know inspect and, and solve my rat issue. Well, he blocked them in without realizing it. So these rats are now inside the wall. They can't get back out. So they start chewing their way through the sheetrock. And they come right into the room, five of them, and they're inside the studio, and they're getting behind my paintings. And, I mean, it was it was just a complete freak out. And I, you know, I kind of did a, a Freddy Krueger on them and went crazy. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean there? You went into their well, dreams or you well, just the like yelled the at rats them? Were, the rats were in my studio. They were invading my space, and so I uh, eliminated them. Oh, okay. Okay. Can 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 we commission <laughs> can we commission you to paint something for us called the rats resist him? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Okay, so what happened to John Marley? There's a whole series of, of events that happen to people after they you know, look at or purchase your painting that could be lined up yeah. as, you know, hey, people die. What do you make of what, what's right. happened since then? What now, happened to John Marley? Be, that, could, that, that would actually, appropriately, that would be a question for um, Greg, for, uh, Greg Gibbs, who's making the documentary. Yep, great. Because he, he, he uh, researched all of that in depth. Great. Much, much more than I have. So so he probably knows all the details, if there are any, to know about uh, John Marley. Call that a teaser in the biz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had, of course, all kinds of things over the years. People have, um, wanting to know about the painting and, and um, what it means and, and commenting on it and sending, sending me emails and queries. Uh, some of them uh, crazy, some of them pretty uh, innocent and some of them trying to you know trying to convince me that i need to be saved right. saved right so you're obviously um possessed by some sort of uh demon i mean i can hear it in your voice All right. Here, look, I'm, I'm gonna read you a little i'm gonna read you a, a response i gave to this one uh, young man named dominic um dominic i'm curious as to who you are You've gleaned something from my online presence to query my spiritual well-being. So tell me something about you. You ask, why even send your e initial email? Why indeed? The hands resistant. 
is the bioluminescent lure dangling from the jaws of my abyssal nightmares. They are quite content at such depths, weightless, eyeless, blind to the possibilities, but pull them to the surface and gaff them onto the deck of your pilgrim vessel, and they suffocate, transformed from my nightmare into your catch of the day, boneless, headless, meaningless. I prefer the pain of drowning in a sea of possibilities to salvation in a desert of certainty. What are you, an artist or something? Jesus, can I get a response yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> Jesus, okay. What? So, <laughs> this guy... Just sometimes it clicks. It clicks sometimes, you know, when they, when they ask me, when they query me about my, my uh, spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish you would have seen. Uh, I wish you would have seen uh, our faces over here as you were reading that to us. That 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 is a response that I. If I ever get that response back in an email, I would. I close my email account and say that's it. I'm, I quit nothing, the internet. Nothing more. I quit the internet. Well, I can actually be pretty um, pretty short with people. I mean, I had this one, and I apologize to him if he happens to be listening, but some young, uh, one young man um, queried me about the painting and whether it was haunted and all of that. And I said, it certainly is. And I said, you know what? If you've looked at it, you're going to die. Jesus. <laughs> no, you didn't, Bill. That's amazing. <laughs> well, actually, Bill, you're That's not. hilarious. I did. And you're not lying. And it's totally true. Totally true. Yeah. Whether they look at my painting or a carton of milk, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that's incredible. That's incredible. Now, there's uh, there's some accounts of people looking at the painting and they start to feel nauseous or dizzy. Uh, as Tim and I, I have been know. doing these these shows, uh, the Empty Frames season one and two, we've heard a lot of accounts of people looking at any piece of art and and feeling nauseous or dizzy. No, only good art. Only oh, right. Only yeah. good art and uh, and feeling sick to their <laughs> stomach. It's uh, it's it's being attributed to the hands resistum, and now that part that's part of the whole folklore is that you can't even look at this thing without feeling nauseous or dizzy. But it's got like a million views. It's got like a million views yeah. online. I printed out part of it last yeah. night, and then he died. And I'm speaking from beyond the grave right now. <laughs> Well, you have a very. This is a very clear connection. Um, <laughs> a lot of technical me, uh, uh, work to go into that. Let yeah. me summon Sharon in the boat, and I'll and I'll be over in a minute. <laughs> so, I mean, do you think that this is? Did you? I guess I'm trying to say, hop on board with all this. It sounds like you're kind of having a little bit of fun with it when people reach out to you and yeah, and I, inquire. I, you know, I can't help but have a little bit of fun with it. I mean, part yeah. of it. Part of the initial response to it was, um, you know, was in the same category as seeing Elvis in a stain on the wall inside the gas station urinal or, um, you know, grilled cheese Madonnas. I mean, it was mm-hmm. kind of the same in the same within the same realm to me initially. And then I had this fascinating interview with um, a uh, DJ in a, at a Texas radio station. And she held, the radio station held a contest for a story about the uh, listeners' stories about the painting and their reaction to it. And the winner of the contest would get an exact uh, reproduction of the painting. In other words, an uh, actual size, et cetera. And um, I had some, something like 80-plus stories and I, uh, I read through them all. <laughs> I'm telling you, <laughs> I didn't realize what this painting had done to these, these folks down in Texas. I mean, it was, it was really eye-opening how disturbed people could get. What do they say? It. Yeah, well, do you have a, a couple well, of examples? A lot of, a lot of it, the main gist of it was drunken abuse. Was, in other words, huh. the child was an abused, was an abused child. And the hands were, you know, I don't know what, you know, the imprisonment or the or the uh, confinement of this, of the of the abuse. So anyway, they were very disturbing. And the one the one that I picked, the winner, was actually one that was um, 
written from the point of view of the painter. Oh, wow. Looking out at the viewers. And it was written by a young a young girl. I think she was about 19 at the time. That's interesting that she picked the one that wasn't dark, and, and she had the, I guess, the wherewithal to, to go with something that was against the grain, you know, in regarding this painting. Well, right. I would have to imagine exactly. that as the artist of the painting, you know, you, you didn't create it thinking, oh, this is going to really creep people out, and I'm going to be on a radio show in Texas, and everyone's going to tell me how afraid they are of this painting. Like, you didn't do that, I'm sure, like, unless I'm incorrect. No, no, this was all, this was all a, uh, <laughs> an amazing phenomena from a single event, you know, an auction. What was it, what was it doing, um, found, it was found uh, in an abandoned, uh, it was found abandoned in a California brewery. How did it, did I miss something? How did it get there? Well, that's where, that's where uh, Greg Gibbs comes in. You know he's gonna he's gonna be able to fill in all those blanks on uh, on its history okay. after it left the gallery. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it was. A, I, I think what it was is it was originally a brewery and it had been turned into studio spaces. And um, it was it was in one of those studios. Okay. And I don't know whether it was abandoned or um, it was simply just. Um, set aside and, and picked up by the by someone who purchased the space. I couldn't imagine walking into, a, like, if I had purchased that space and I walked in and I was cleaning it out and I found that painting, I don't know what I'd do. I mean, I think that would be, I'd be definitely intrigued. By well, it. well but, but, but you'd have to be, but you'd have to be thinking about it in these terms, and that is, did you know about the painting beforehand? Yeah, true. I mean, the thing is that the painting, the painting certainly has a lot of, uh, uh, story with attached to it now, which it didn't have then. So, you know, it would have been an inter- interesting piece of art, and you probably wouldn't have noticed the fact that there were hands in it at all initially. Right. Those are details that you only see after looking at it for a while. I love how paintings have their own life and own, uh, you know, plot points. Um, this is really amazing. So, okay, so it was found at this California brewery, and then what happened? Well, and then the owners, I mean, the people who uh, who got it, um, <laughs> according to, I'm just remembering bits and pieces from the eBay auction page information, but the, but they um, they had it hanging in their kids' bedroom, which I thought was a strange place to hang that painting to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that seems normal. Uh, and that the, their children complained that the that the boy and the girl fought with each other. They would come out of the painting at night and fight with each other. Yeah, but okay. this is a four year old kid that's saying this, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah, it, to be that's a, why it's strange to hang that painting in their bedroom. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and to and to be uh, here. To, let's let's give our kids neuroses right. From, right from <laughs> I mean, I I'm, I can imagine that there were a number of other paintings that they could have hung in their four-year-old's bedroom. Yeah, as the, yeah something as, a little more innocent, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. As the parent of a four-and-a-half-year-old right now, I can say that she's got a big owl hanging in her uh, her room. What are you trying to do to your kid, Tim? <laughs> it's a cartoon owl. Well, yeah. It's I mean, not creepy. My, my, daughter grew up, my daughter grew up with a drac. You know what a drac is from the movie Enemy Mine? No. Um, it's an old movie. It's a movie from the 80s. 1985 with uh dennis quaid yeah exactly dennis quaid and um lou gossett lou gossett jr yeah yeah yep yep he was the drac anyway i had a because i worked on the on the movie and i I did you know i sculpted some of the faces some of the drac faces i had one on you know like a trophy like a deer head hanging on the wall wall in the hallway on on the way to my my daughter's bedroom and she was only, I don't even think she, no, she wasn't even two at the time. And she would say goodnight to it on her way to bed. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, she was polite to it. And I'm sure she continued on to be a very well-rounded, balanced person. Right. But I, what I'm saying is she grew up around monsters. Don't we all? Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, certainly that's true of the folks in Texas when they write about the hands resistant. We'll uh, we'll 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 read the um that eBay ad probably in the intro. 
but I just want to just read a quick thing. They they place the eBay ad for the hands resistive, and then they have this warning, and it says, "Do not bid on this painting if you are susceptible to stress-related <laughs> disease, faint or of heart, or unfamiliar with supernatural events." And then it. This painting may or may not possess supernatural powers that could impact or change your life. <laughs> it's it reads like a um like Joke. the like the disclaimers on a um on one of those commercials for an anxiety pill or irritable bowel syndrome right. that you see on right. TV. Yeah. And yeah, it goes exactly. through all these things and you're like, Well, I'll just have irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. Yeah, and then and then the, they they actually say that the the point of this was to um ask if anyone out there on eBay knows how to bless a house because they felt like their whole house was... Right. Yeah, the point of selling this painting uh, on eBay is to bless the house. That was the purpose of uh, placing yeah. the ad, yeah, saying those things in the ad. But uh, apparently, we're going to try to get these people on to see the actual footage from the motion detector, uh, the still images that show <laughs> the, the kids coming out of the... Spoiler alert, Lance. No, no, we, Spoiler we need, alert. We need a whole season here. <laughs> There's no footage. Spoiler alert. Um, did, have right, you ever seen right. they turn the camera on and there's nothing happens right <laughs> now had you had you seen any of that footage or any of those pictures or anything no 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 um, so I haven't I have not had the only the only connection I've got with any of this um, store background story on this is through Greg okay and his research what was your reaction as you were getting all of this information so Greg is the independent filmmaker and he's he's right. researched this, and he starts telling you all of this stuff. Are are you does does your anxiety start to grow, or is it just are you are you amused by it? Well, I got I kind of got into it. I mean, one of the things that Greg did was um, in, over the last um, four months or so is I I've, I've provided him with a whole background of information on um, well on my childhood, on my painting, and all of that stuff. So he's assured me that he's creating a, a very well-rounded uh, film about not just the hands resistant, but about me and, and the background of my work. Very um, cool. Yeah. So, you know, and so, so the side story of course is, is all the, the uh, uh, hoopla and, and um, marketing on the part of the folks who put it up for auction. Right. Right. And to be clear, I'm not saying the painting is not haunted. I'm just saying uh, those people, <laughs> you know, th those people who who posted the eBay ad and, uh, you know, freak their their child out. Like there's something going on there that I don't necessarily trust. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's paintings that are much more disturbing than that one in my collection. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't say. There is something I mean, amazing. Got, I, yeah. I've, I have had people... Uh, you know, all over the world by my work because of it, you know, which is, which is significant. For yeah. sure. You know, it's the, the it's beautiful. The associations with people I have never met and yet will sell, will send me thousands of dollars for work, you know, for paintings. And we've never, and we never see each other. We never meet each other. I had a woman in Russia buy two paintings from me that were pretty disturbing. And, um, it was kind of significant that someone in Russia bought them, but, and she told me a, a little bit of background. She said that um, it was because of her son that she bought the two paintings. And um, anyway, ha just, just having that kind of, having those kinds of things happen because of the, because of the, the very fact that the hands resistant became such a popular um, internet phenomenon. Yeah. You know, that, that she was able to, you know, because of that, I had a website and uh, and met the beautiful woman that I'm married to now. And uh, she built the web website for me. And all, because of all of that, I had all of these all of these connections grew from that. Well, it sounds like you're taking all of the uh, the goodwill and, and basically sucking the souls out of everyone else. So you you have this uh, <laughs> <laughs> wonderful existence. Well, Come on now, isn't that the nature of capitalism to oh. suck the soul out of everything? Wow, you are <laughs> hitting a, a lot of points here. This is there's a lot uh, packed into this yeah. into this episode right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you do not uh, regret painting this. Mm -mm. No, I have no regrets whatsoever. Good, good. Nor should you. 
Nor should you. Where, <laughs> where is it now? Where is the painting uh, located now? It's in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the Perception Gallery, and I think Kim keeps it locked in a basement. Is that out of uh, with, uh, is that out of know, demand? With, with, like too many people want to come see it, or she's afraid? Of garlic and and uh, <laughs> fixes and things all over the wall. Thing reeks like sage by this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Kim keeps it. He, he keeps it at the gallery in a, in its own space. He gets people coming to you know wanting to see it, and so he you know kind of takes them on a tour. Oh, great! And he'll take it out once in a while when uh, people ask for it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or actually, I think he brings them down into the basement, you know, and with spooky music and all that. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm, I'm, I actually again, I have not seen the painting. What would that be like for you? To yeah, I have not physically been in the presence of my work. Are you scared? Since, 19, since 1974. Are you saying you're terrified to see your own work again? You're totally afraid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have an exact reproduction of it. Okay. That Close Kim, enough. That Kim had, made, Kim had made and sent to me. But so. not haunted, or it is? Well, you know, it's peripherally haunted. <laughs> haunted on, uh, you know, on off Tuesdays of every 10th year. That's why, yeah. we, that's why we're doing this on a Wednesday, because we just had a gut <laughs> Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think Tim and I are going to make a trip out there to Grand Rapids and uh, tempt fate, as we, uh, as we typically do. We did discuss it, but then we also said that we don't want our plane to crash on the way home. That's why I'm walking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't want that. I mean, yeah. just, moving, just moving the print from one place to the other um, caused the truck I was in, in to break down. You know, it's kind of like Indiana Jones and the and the uh, Ark inside the the crate. It's burning through the, right. the symbol, the Third Reich on the outside of the box. <laughs> I I feel like I feel like the uh, the mystical and supernatural energy coming from the painting is sort of uh, wearing away because the only thing it's done so far is just uh, disconnected the call seven minutes in. <laughs> so I think we're in the clear. Right. Well, but we don't know what's going to happen when people listen to it. That's true. Don't listen to this episode if you've gone wait, this far. No, no, that doesn't. Wait. That works against us. Oh, wait, sorry. Yeah. Listen to, the episode, listen to the episode and then tell us if something happened to you. Check in. <laughs> Check in with us after. <laughs> so you yourself have never experienced anything that you can directly relate to it other than um, the truck breaking down. Well, yeah. I mean, the the the, the emails I con- I was constantly getting okay. from folks who were qu- querying about it was uh, was kind of like a constant phenomena. So you were haunted by like emails, a tapping, tapping on tapping on the window, right? Know, those disembodied hands. Okay. And right. uh, and what about the other one? So you said that there was there was a one sequel that was yeah. Completed. There's three the three sequels. The okay. one we were we already talked about, which was. Um, the one for the actual prequel mm-hmm. uh, for Zach, and then uh, the two others that were uh, that were commissioned by the same uh, collector, and he wanted me to do them uh, with specifically with the first sequel. Uh, the ha- uh, resistance at the threshold was myself at the time, so that was I was fifty three at the time. Um, and then the third one, which was. Uh, Threshold of Revelation, and all three of the paintings, the original and the, the two sequels, have to do with the fact that I never knew who my parents were or uh, whether I had siblings. And in fact, I did. I, did. I had a, a, a sister who I discovered um, while I was painting and started painting the third uh, sequel there, Threshold of Revelation where the suddenly the doll is no longer a doll but an actual living child. Oh yeah. And she's holding she's holding the remnants of the doll. Uh-huh. And that and so it's the revelation that she that you know the, the I actually did have a sibling and she was she was alive and well and living in Massachusetts and and we met each other and it was amazing and and she <laughs> I have eight I have uh, eight uh, nieces and nephews now and um you know, a whole, a whole line of, of folks who I'm related to. Very cool. But she was she was put up for adoption just as I was. Right after right after being born. Wow. We, no. we were we were uh, two years apart. Same uh, mother and father, but two and, but we were two years apart. And, wow. And, uh, yeah. So there was. 
that's what I mean about painting. The, some sometimes painting is a um, is a conjuring, sure, you know, it's a, it's a manifestation of something that did happen, will happen. Yeah, I love that, and I think you're absolutely right when you say painting is a form of magic because it has no bounds of time and space. And I think you're right; people can transform through artwork and specifically paintings. And your paintings—they're incredible, Bill. I know any. Any any uh any silence on our part is because we're we're currently like scrolling through all of your paintings right now. <laughs> so you currently still produce artwork and you take commissions. If anybody is interested in this, where can they find your work and how can they contact you? Uh, they can contact me through my website. And I just want to give the uh, website name. It's stonemstudios.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.